And so today, we're going to be on page 30 in these. And so if you want to open up your journal, if you need a Bible, you can turn your Bible on your phone if you want. Or if you want to um, uh, use one of the Bibles we have in the pew, and you can take one of those as a gift also. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4 today. I just want to, let's just dive in, and and I want to share some things with you that I think that we need to hear today, and God has planned for us. Chapter 4, verse 1, begins this way. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when, he, when they were ended, he was hungry. Now, Luke sets up a very dramatic story right here at the beginning. And what I want you to remember is what happened right before this story. Last week we talked about it. We had the event of Jesus being baptized by John in the River Jordan. And Jesus comes, and it's a very dramatic event. He steps off of the shore and into the water and unites himself with us and identifies with us and is baptized. And in that moment, an incredible things happen. And some of the gospels report that the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and lands on him. And then all those present hear this voice of, This is my beloved Son. With him I'm well pleased. Now, that anytime a parent or somebody you respect puts praise on you, that feels good, right? Can you imagine being the recipient of that and the audible voice of God saying that to you? God the Father, this is my son. That's my boy. And I'm so proud of him. So Jesus, at this very moment, I can't imagine being in more of a sweet spot in the presence of God. The very next thing that happens. Look at verse 1 again. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, so he's got God's presence with him, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into something very comfortable, nice and wonderful and luxurious. He's led to the wilderness. Led to the wilderness where he was going to wrestle and struggle for many days. For 40 days days, in fact. There's there's seasons of your life that you've described as a wilderness, haven't you? And it may have been shorter than, it may have been a lot longer than 40 days, but you would look back on it and you'd say, that was a wilderness time for me. I, I was struggling during that time. And what I want you to see is this connection. At the very moment that Jesus is in the sweet spot with God, he's led into the wilderness. And what I want you to take away from that is that in your wilderness times, it is no indication that God has abandoned you. We draw that association because of the experience in it, don't we? I mean, when we feel like everything's a struggle and a challenge, we think God must have walked away from me. But that is not the case. In the very moment when Jesus is enjoying God's delight, he's led into this wilderness time, not as punishment, because he's going to form his character in this wilderness. And it tells us that he didn't eat anything for the 40s. He's fasting. He's doing, undergoing a spiritual practice of abstaining from food. 
in an attempt to focus on God. And then I love it. For 40 days, it says he didn't eat anything. And then Luke says this line, and he was hungry. Take your journals and write no joke next to that. Of course he was hungry, but Luke doesn't waste his words. So why is he telling us this? Because that's this like Captain Obvious stuff, isn't it? Luke wants us to know this, that Jesus is experiencing this moment like you or I would experience this moment. He's not turning on some superpower where his hunger doesn't really affect him in the way that it affects you. Or that going 40 days without food would change or affect you and me. Jesus is walking into this experience. And then over these 40, 40 days, he's going to do some wrestling. and He's going to wrestle with Satan. He's going to wrestle with the devil. Now, I don't know where you are with the devil. Many in America don't believe that. It's just some sort of philosophical concept. But I'm going to tell you that the Bible teaches and Jesus believes that the devil is real and that he's dangerous. And so we've we got to be very careful that we don't, we don't do a wink and a nod towards, towards Satan because he's going to tell some lies and we're going to see some of them today. And he, and he wants you to believe that he's not as threatening as he is. And I've got a preaching friend that he used this great word. He said, said, for those that don't believe in the devil, I've got a word for you. And it's the word vulnerable. You're exposed. You're vulnerable to the attacks. And we're going to see those that come in from Jesus. And here he is. He's hungry. He's tired. And he's about to face what we call temptations. And if you know anything about being in that condition, when you're, when you're tired and when you're worn out, your temptations become more and more real, don't they? In fact, if you're familiar with anything in the um, addiction recovery literature and the processes, in some of them you're going to find the, the acronym of the word HALT, H-A-L-T. And what it stands for is hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And you know this is true, don't you? You know that when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired your temptations come roaring in, don't you? Because we're all aware of our temptations, aren't we? And, and that's what I want to establish for this. You're most likely, if you're anywhere beyond the age of high school, you're pretty aware of what your temptations are. You're, you don't get surprised in the morning. You don't wake up and go, I didn't see that one coming. Because if we're all real honest, we know the chemicals that tempt us. We know the Netflix shows that are going to tempt us. We know the person in the office that's going to tempt us. We're aware of our temptations. And so when we become hunger and angry and lonely and tired, we start telling ourselves a story. And we have a conversation with ourselves, don't we? And we start convincing ourselves that it's okay. And I'm guessing that is something of the experience that Jesus had at this moment as he goes through these 40 days. And what I want you to understand is we're told about three of the temptations. And my guess is we're told about the three that came at the end. But that means he experienced this struggle for 40 days. Not 39 days and on day 40 he had to face all the temptations this is an ongoing spiritual battle that he's in. Here's how it unfolds. 
um, in verse 3. Verse 3 says this. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And so Satan comes and he plays on his very physical need right away, doesn't he? And he looks and there's the bread, there's the rocks, and he says, Look, you've got the power. Turn the stone into bread. And this one's always bothered me because part of me wants to go, what's wrong with that? Why, why would he not just do that? Because that one he could do. There doesn't seem to be a negative side of temptation. What Satan is asking him to do is to leverage his power for his own behalf. Hey, you're God. You're a deity. Why don't you enjoy the benefits of that? Why don't you enjoy some of the fruit of that? And I'm going to challenge you to look all through the Gospels. Pick whichever one you want, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And as you look through these accounts of Jesus, you never find a moment where Jesus leverages his power, leverages his authority on his own behalf. He only leverages it on the behalf of others. He came to serve, not be served. So one of the challenges for us is, what do you do with your authority? What do you do with your power when you have some? And how do you leverage it on the behalf of others? Because the temptation here is to serve yourself at that point. That's what Satan's presenting with. And Jesus reacts right back with the word of God and says, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone. Then next, verse 5, and the devil took him up and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Now this one's, whew. somehow Satan reveals to him, there's this visual in front of him of all these kingdoms. And he says, I'll make a deal with you right now. I've got authority over these. I will transfer my authority to you if you will just bow down and worship me. Now, part of me wants to think that Jesus' response should be, no, you're just a liar. You don't have authority over these. I believe that Satan is actually offering something to Jesus that is really tempting. It's not just a lie. There, there is a deal that Satan is willing to make here. And here's the deal. You're going to be king. I'm going to offer you an easy route to do it without the cross. You get to be the person that you came to be. You get to have authority over all of this. I'll let you do it without the cross. I think that's a real temptation for Jesus at this moment. We've got Jesus once again responding with the word of God. And he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Satan, you may offer an easier way. You, you may offer a shortcut. Isn't that what all temptations are? 
It's a shortcut, isn't it? You want to feel a certain way. You want to believe a certain thing. You want to think a certain way. It shortcuts you there. You're, you're struggling in your marriage. You want, there's temptation by somebody on the outside of your marriage. You want this illusion of a nice marriage. It allows you a shortcut, doesn't it? You're, you're, you're tempted by money. And you've got an opportunity. If you cut some corners, more money faster. It's a shortcut, isn't it? Shortcut to feel a certain way because for many of us, it's a struggle, it's a challenge to deal with some of the emotions, some of the hurts and some of the wounds and we want to feel better. And so we take the shortcut of putting something into our bodies that allows us to get there quicker. Satan's offering him a shortcut. We can cut out the difficult work here. And what Jesus submits to in this moment is nothing short of just simply the will of his Father. And he doesn't argue it, and he doesn't debate it, and he doesn't say, well, God, but this gets me there, but it just seems like a lot easier. He says, this isn't the will of my Father. I'm going to serve him. May that be our response. And then Satan ends this way. He's got one more shot to fire and he does this. And he took him up to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Pay attention. This is Satan using scripture against Jesus. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This last one just is incredible because you have Satan. He shows him the temple and he puts him at a high point on the temple. And he says, look, do something spectacular. Why don't you just leap off of here? Because God's already made the promise to you that you're not going to hurt or injure yourself in any way that's outside of his will. So just leap off of here. Let us see the stunt. Let the angels swoop in and catch you. I'm sure there'll be music to go along with it. It'll make all the publications. It'll go viral, Jesus. Do something spectacular. Jesus once again says, no. That's again, that's a shortcut. And what's the shortcut to? It's a shortcut to getting glory. See, this is what Satan's offering up. I can get you to glory faster than God can get you to glory. And isn't that what we're all after when it comes to our temptations? He's seeking some glory. And so what Satan's doing is he's positioning Jesus in a very unique way. And I want you to make this observation about about the temptations. Notice he never uses the name of God in the temptations. Now he refers to Jesus as the son of God, but there's a very strong reason why he's trying to do that. Notice how many times he uses the word you or your as Satan is laying out these temptations. He wants these temptations to all be about, you can do this. You turn the bread to stone. You do the spectacular stunt off the temple. You can bow down and worship me and then you can have all authority over this. Even in the word of God, he promises, he says, Satan does it this way. He says, God's promised that you will never hurt yourself this way. 
Does this sound like any of the conversation that Satan's had before? It should sound to you, if you're familiar with your Bible, it should sound like the conversation that happened at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. When there's a conversation between Satan, then embodied as the serpent, he begins to discuss with Eve on what trees they can and can't eat from. And he begins to say, well, did God really say that? He says, if you'll eat of this, if you will eat of this tree, you will be like God. You see the same temptation? It's the same way. Satan's greatest temptation is for you to make you the center of your faith. Satan's greatest temptation is for you to make you the center of your faith. If he can get you to believe in you and it be all about you, he's got you. His greatest temptation. It's the, it's the foundation of all of his temptations. You deserve this. You need this. You've earned this. This is right. This is yours. You should have this. Does this sound familiar to anybody's conversations that go inside their head? Satan's greatest temptation is always going to be to make you the center of your world. And time and time again, what we see is we see Jesus saying, no, my father is the one center. My father is the one in the middle of all. My father is the one to whom I'm going to submit all things. And Jesus is the one that will be king. And yet he's still going to submit to the Father. Okay, but what do we do with that? Because again, the temptation is to look at this and think, yes, but that's Jesus. He, he's always going to come out right. Well, I want to encourage you with this. Because again, Jesus didn't turn on some superpower. He, he, he didn't rely on his deity to survive these and go through these temptations. And I want, to, I want you to be encouraged by this next statement because I think it's one that if you'll take it to heart and if you reflect on it, if you wrestle with it, it, it will guide you as you go forward. And it's this. You face your temptations with the same resources Jesus did. The Spirit and the Word of God. That's what he took into battle with him. Since he was full of the Holy Spirit, as believers and followers baptized in Jesus Christ, you are full of the Holy Spirit. You have that. It is a supernatural power at your resource. For you, for God in, in that moment to be at work and active whenever you face this, as long as you're not making it about you, there's a power available to you that comes not from your side. This isn't about upping your willpower, Okay. Jesus didn't face these temptations with great willpower. And we think that we've got to walk into our temptations that somehow I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to discipline myself and I'm going to go through and face temptation based on my willpower. You see, there's still the life of Satan there. You are the center of your faith when it's your willpower that's going to get you through it. But you have the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to challenge you this week, if you'll spend some time reflecting on that truth, that you don't walk into a situation where you're going to be tempted. And again, we know most of our places are going to be tempted, right? But you don't walk in realizing that you're alone, but you're with the Spirit of God present in your life. 
And the other one is very tangible. It's the Word of God. Jesus replies each time with the Word of God. This is why we are so sold out to the idea of being in these scriptures all through this year that focus to Jesus. Because the more times you're able to take in God's Word, it's like a nutrient. You're, you're feeding your spiritual life. Not because when you read your Bible, God loves you more. This isn't about earning God's favor. This is about you preparing yourself in such a way that when you encounter those moments, what God will do is he will lay a scripture on your heart at a certain time, in a certain way. And there will be a moment, and this, this has happened to me, and, and I'll tell you what's funny is I've, I've been studying temptation all week long. How do you think my temptations have been this week? I'm like, okay, I can't get up and preach on that. I'm going to give in to it. And God would lay a scripture that I've been studying on my heart. And it would just kind of come to me. It's not because I set out to memorize it. Because he's honoring that. And when you feed on his word. Whether in small focused bites or large chunks of reading. It doesn't matter. This isn't about a style. This is about you being engaged. The spirit and the word of God. And they're both available and accessible to you. And so just like Jesus, in those moments where you're hungry, you're angry, you're lonely, and you're tired, and Satan's going to whisper in your ear, you deserve this. This is for you. He's going to want you to become the very center of your own faith. You can recognize it for what it is. You can call it out. And notice how Luke ends this. All of Satan's temptations were to get Jesus to glorify himself. And in verse 14, we're told this. And when Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and report about him went out through the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being Glorified by all. Jesus submitted. Did not claim glory that was not his. And yet, what did, Je- what did the Father do? In that moment, he glorified him. All the glory that Jesus had hoped to get was coming his way. But it wasn't coming because he went out and claimed it and says, Yeah, I've earned this. This is mine. Because God wanted to give it to him. And that's where we are. Your heavenly father wants to give you good, good gifts. Our temptation is to short circuit the process and claim them on our own. But here's here's a real truth. Your hands aren't big enough to grasp the good gifts that God wants to give you. So anything that we grasp on our own is always going to be a fall short and lacking of what God wants to give. So may you go out from here. I'm going to challenge you to spend time in this this week as you go out from here. In fact, when you leave, I've got some sermon cards. This is just some of the questions that we'll be wrestling with both in our second hour and our home groups. But I want you to grab one of these. We've got some people at the doors that are going to be handing out. Take one, put it in your journal, put it in your Bible, and let this week reflect on these questions that we've got. And let the Word of God and let the Spirit of God do a work in you this week. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm so grateful 
that Jesus was able to face these temptations and show us a way. And Father, I pray that we would not face our temptations in our own power. That we would no longer play the game of thinking that if I can just be strong enough, I can survive, but we lay out down our dependence on ourselves and embrace our dependence on you and your spirit and your word. So Father, I pray. I pray for anyone here who is in a place where they're angry or they're lonely, they're tired, and they're exposed and vulnerable at this moment. Father, that you would send your spirit and just like Jesus, it, they would be full of your spirit. And there'd be a tangible way that they would understand that and experience that. And at the right moment, Father, you would lay your words on their heart. And that you would receive all the glory and all the praise. Thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating this. Thank you, Jesus, for being the one that was not only going to stand in our place of temptation, but stand in my place of punishment. And by that, we have hope. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you need some help this week, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you about how you get baptized into Jesus so you can experience what it means to live the life, not under your power, but under the power of the Holy Spirit. Myself, the ministers, the elders, we're going to be down front. If you want to talk to one of us, we'd love to come and start that conversation as we stand, as we sing this song, please.